Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello friends, I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines Commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. George, how are you, brother? Yeah, very well, mate. <laughs> 2023. And time's going quick, very quick, but you know. Well, good credit to you. I mean, you pack a lot into a year, don't you? Mm. I feel like I have to. Um, the idea of sitting still is far more depressing and aggravating than actually doing things. Uh, so I think that's probably the driving force um, is just the fear of being still. You know, it's not so good when you're trying to get to sleep, but once you're up and ready and going about your day, it can be very useful. You know, I lived in the UK. I'd done everything I wanted to do in the UK, the shard, lots of base jumps. And it felt like I was kind of, you know, a grand halt day. And I just thought I kind of, I was same information, same coding, same place. I was like, right, I, I need to get out, like actually get out into the wild and, um, I watched a really good film called Dirtbag. Goes about his life climbing and taking on projects and not really having a place to live. And I watched that and I was kind of like, you know what? There's kind of uh, purity and beauty in that. And I found that in Berlin, just couch surfing, going about my projects, ticking off, ticking off places in uh, Germany. And I definitely felt some sense of normality in that. Mm. Do you, do you have a favorite place in Europe? Are you familiar with any of the languages or anything uh, like that? Well, I mean, Berlin's my favorite place. I found a home away from home in Berlin. Um, just, I mean, in, you know, I get off the, I get off the plane and every time I go into the train station, I see the yellow train, the smell, the German language. Like I, I get a tear in my eye. Like it's, it's such a special place to me. Um, it, it's got so much to offer the people, the parties, the train surfing, the climate, the base. It's just heaven on earth and it's this idea of freedom you know it's a very like where weird is normal is actually quite um refreshing to me you know you got I lived in london for a bit brought up in oxford everything's a bit too square if you know what i mean and then i go to berlin i was like oh yeah this is <laughs> this is home so yeah that's my favorite place for sure yeah it's quite happening berlin I, a lot of people settle in berlin it's quite interesting when you think that that was behind the iron curtain back in the day mm. Um, and it's turned into quite a happening sort of place. Well, they, like, yeah, yeah. It, 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 George, do you get? I want to say fed up because you're you're you've you've got too good head on your shoulders for that. But you, do you have a lot of people say to you like, "Oh, dude, I could never do that," and you know, yeah, it, I, I mean that that must be a big part of what you deal with on a daily basis. I mean, it's been a part of my life ever since I've been cognitively available to the world is this, you know, I've, I've, as soon as I 
uh, ever since I remember, I, I was always been fascinated by fear. Like I, I couldn't understand how another human being couldn't have this like fascination of like, what is fear? What is that feeling when you get what I now know is an adrenaline rush? But back then I didn't, I was trying to discover all these like chemicals in my brain and happiness and sadness and all this kind of stuff. And I was exploring it through different means. So climbing was one of them. Running was one of them. Fighting was one of them. And I just, I was just fascinated by what it is. And a lot of people, they look at it, it's, oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. But for me, it's, this is just normal. This has always been the way. So it's just, it's just normal to me. Um, and like, um, you know, sometimes I, I, I question like, am I, am I crazy? You know, with all the things I do, maybe I am, but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say reckless. Um, yeah. We should point out, shouldn't we, that, I mean, I love the whole adventure thing. Um, we'll come on and talk about that. I, I guess I've done a couple of base jumps because I've jumped from a helium balloon. I don't know if that counts as a base jump, but you do yeah, that. In- either one, the skydive base jump, but you know, you, you've probably you felt the idea of having jumping into static air. You know, like you jump out of plane, it's like uh, it's you know, it's moving air. You kind of balance kind of straight away, but you with with a balloon jump, you, yeah, you would have felt that sort of surge, I guess, and that's a very special feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The crazy thing about the balloon jump is it's nowhere near as scary as doing a, a bungee jump. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why. Probably because you could see the ground. Like, I, I mean, yeah. Like what, I mean, I was, I was jumped off a pylon on Monday and it, you, you're on the edge, right? And you're looking down and that, that it's so close. You're so close. And it, it's, it really is the act of committing suicide and saving your life in the process. It's, it's like you're there looking down and that's your death and you jump and you look down and you see the ground rush up to you and and you have all these i mean time is so elastic in these moments like it's only two three seconds you're free falling but those two three seconds are so absorbed it's like you're 30 seconds deep and then when it opens it's like i'm alive and fucking glad it and it is it gives a feeling like no other and then you get this overwhelming sense of fulfillment where nothing in the world matters present future past and you're just present in one single moment and to share it with other people is also amazing and um you know to share to have it yourself it it, it elevates your consciousness on a different different trajectory yeah it's interesting though isn't it when you look back at a lot of the if we let's just use the term daredevil a lot of them a lot of them do end up creaming in Mm. Is it how have you reconciled? I mean, you can see some great guys that are having great jumps and they're doing wingsuit and 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 suddenly you get the bad news that they it, it's all yeah, over. Well, we yeah, I mean, I think it was yesterday. Ken Block, the rally driver, just just went in on a uh, ski ski car ski to do. Um, the way I process it is all these so-called daredevils extreme athletes who do go in they never go in on the their cutting edge most prophylic number one stunt climb jump or whatever there's always the one they've done a fair few times it's easy to them in comparison to what the much harder things they've done and it's this idea of complacency which i've been very aware of um since doing these sort of things 
there's been times in my life when I was uh, in my teens and I was climbing stuff right, felt complacency and it almost went very, very wrong. And I've learned from those and I'm taking the base jumping very, very slowly, like the progression extremely slowly. And also having fear. Fear is the number one tool of survival. You need fear um, because it, it keeps you alive. It keeps you sharp. Um, it keeps you aware. So um, I, the way, I, you know, I process it, it's, you know, complacency, keep that in check, keep the ego in check. Um, you know, don't feel the need to compete with others, um, just yourself. Um, so I, so I do a lot of what, what I do solo because I have like a competitive little demon inside me where if I'm with people, then maybe I might switch my, you know, mm. desires a bit. So I, I tend to do everything solo. Um, and if I do do base jumps with people, I want to make sure they're like much higher sort of skill level than me. Um, uh, because I, I, I don't want to feel any sense of, oh, it's, a, it's now a competition sort of in, in my head. It's, it's, it's something which I want to put completely away uh, because I think, yeah, ego, egos kills, like it's one of the biggest killers with this kind of stuff. Sticking on this subject, I want to go back to the beginning, obviously, because your story's just incredible, mate. It's just, just, just incredible. For those of us that have done a bit of parachuting, skydiving, uh, am I right in thinking you've got no reserve because you're too low to deploy it anyway? Is that, am I right there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there was certain sort of jumps that it wouldn't even work because it's too low. For, even if you had a reserve, it just wouldn't come out in time. Um, the way I see gear and I've had, this is, by the way, this is, this whole processing has taken a long, long time for me to wrap my head around. Um, the whole idea with gear is if you pack it correctly, you do the rigging right, it's just physics. It's all it is, it's mm -hmm. physics. It, 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 if you're meticulously squared away with every single fold and you've done it properly, you run it by the book, then like it, it just won't, won't go wrong. You just, it's just, it's physics. So um, I've had to overcome this gear fear um, and I've only been based on being for just over a year. So like I, I had to really... Um, overcome this fear of uh, uh of, of my gear so the story with this is um i jumped with uh i did a week base course with this with one of my mentors tim howe was actually an ex-royal marine and he's absolutely meticulously detailed pioneering base mentor and you know i was lucky enough to uh go uh, under his wing and learn from him and i come back from that trip that one week trip in france and i felt so confident with my skills and I took my base rig and I was like, right, well, let's go jump off antenna solo. You know, no one else there. You know, first time actually being fully solo. Climbed up this antenna in Brainsheet Essex and I got to the top, super confident, flung my legs over, looked to the horizon, took a deep breath and couldn't, couldn't flick the switch. And I was there like fucking like, what's going on? Like I was in France jumping every day doing like good jumps, I'm confident, I know, I packed it right, I couldn't flick the switch. And I was there for two, three hours, like, you know, I saw the, this bush, I was like, oh, well, maybe if I jump and it doesn't work properly, I can, at least there's a bit of cushioning, like, all these thoughts, I was, I was I'm getting off the antenna, and I drove around Essex for a bit, and I was trying to work out why, why couldn't I just jump and and then i thought okay just get back on the antenna get, get to the back to the top looking down looking up 
can't do it. Another two hours up there. I went back to this antenna over the course of a month, around six or seven times, trying to trying to trying to just jump, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Um, and I started. I got this epiphany where it was like, well, the reason I could jump in France and I can't jump now is the fact that I'm completely solo. And I, I and and if I was in France and something wasn't right, then Tim Howe, the you know my mentor, he 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 clock it or someone else would clock it. And it was this idea of being fully accountable of every single action and decision you make. And I started to really under, also understand that I, I feared the gear. I really feared the gear operating properly. So I started to write down all my irrational fears and all my rational fears with the gear. All the irrational ones I wrote down, I put a big cross over it, put it to one side, it's useless. Rational ones, such as some kind of malfunction or tension or whatever, I look at it, explore it, detail it, square it away, both mentally and physically. And then, um, you know, after doing that, and I, I really sort of separated these fears and really put them down. And I went back on to the antenna probably on the eighth time, got halfway up and instantly as I'm rigging up, I'm thinking, yeah, this, this is the one, this is, yeah, this, I'm just yeah, yeah, I just yeah, knew, yeah, yeah. got to the top, jumped, landed, on the knees crying broke down because i i i overcome this 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 little mental battle you know this mm. mental thing about gear and um and i kind of learned from the whole process going back to the, what we said originally it's like it's like yeah it's 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 physics like if you can just do everything right it will come out right and as long as you make sure you haven't done anything wrong in the rigging or you know then you know you can trust in it yeah mm. I take a couple of funny things. Um, well, I say funny is it's actually really not funny, but I'm never going to get the chat. Friends at home, this is a podcast, right? We we chat between ourselves. This is not an interview. A lot of people on pod, um, podcast, Georgie, think like I'm here to interview you. Oh, and no. It's not. It's like I'm never going to meet. I, I mean, potentially I might never meet you again, right? And I want to share my shit with you and and see what you think of it. Right. Absolutely. There was this awful situation. I I did my um, advanced free fall course in Florida. There was one situation at the, um, that they were telling me at the skydive base where someone had got so much into the camera work, which is a real big thing again, isn't it? You know, you do your skydiving. That's, top notch and that's great but when people get into the camera work it becomes an art in it in itself and this person had got so they were so focused on their camera equipment and but they went out the door without their shoot on you know yeah uh, that's that tunnel vision thing like it's it's my only the task exists the camera work the yeah and people i mean i've, I've heard stories of this these kind of things before with people jumping or whatever and so focus on getting the shot that they lose focus on actually what they're doing and you know i yeah i mean yeah it's certainly yeah it's certainly i mean especially especially now with like social media the modern age and people always want to get you know good footage and all that sort of stuff and it should never really get in get in the way of um 
of of the progress and what you're doing so when i first started based like a, i mean I, i'm still a new boy in the whole thing so i only started a year ago but when i first started i didn't post anything about it on social media or anything um until i felt like i was comfortable in a position where i could actually do it and then i then i started um publicizing it a bit more um i think you know cameras certainly link to the ego and um i've fallen victim to that at certain times in my life where i where you kind of get involved in in, in sort of trying trying to capture it a bit too much um but now you know i, I i'm at an age where I, I sort of kind of see it as not not a necessity but part of what i do but also i'm very transparent with the idea of that you know cameras and the idea of trying to get a good video a good shot can also lead to your death well the the, the thing is as well uh, it, it is if you're not filming this stuff that's like a string of your bow that's cut isn't it because yeah. you you want to you want to promote yourself hmm. um exactly, yeah 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 uh, yeah and, and there's also something about um memories fade memories fade but footage never fades you can always have a piece of footage of you of me whatever climbing something or jumping something or that you can always have, have that photo take it to your deathbed this is you know part of you uh but with with memories they fade they fade and uh and and i i i think for that reason footage is extremely important because you can always have it and i am i i do in myself to try and promote the idea of trying to get it shot well so that i can have this piece of footage for the rest of my life and that's something which is very important to me yeah i tell you another funny thing you might be interested in is um because i wasn't qualified enough i was just doing the aff course obviously someone else packed my shoot for me and mm -hmm. you, they get paid to do that don't they and there's lots of elastic bands involved and stuff <laughs> but they were telling me that one time they went up and they just did a whole series like a whole afternoon of jumps where they just didn't pack the shoot at all like that they just shoved it into the the backpack you know into the the, the canister the holder um and they said not one time did it not deploy yeah yeah yeah, I guess it's physics, really. I, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, they call it trash packing when you sort of really just, yeah, it's like just a messy pack job. And uh, I think with skydiving, it's like, you, I think you could get away with that more because you've got so much time and all the rest of it. Um, my, my mentor said a good phrase to me, bullshit baffles brains. And and I kind of keep my that in my head when, when I do pack my rib because... If, if 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 I do it neat, if I do it sort of packed straight, then like when I'm on the exit and then suddenly I'm having like, oh, gear fears, like, hold on, take those boxes. It's nice and straight. Like put that fear aside, just focus on the jump. And uh, yeah, so it's like, I think you could probably get away with trashing it and it will open and all the rest of it. But at the same time, it's like a lot of it is just mitigating fears uh, when you're on the, when you're on the exit point and stuff. That being said, George, what um, what differences do you have in your base jumping setup than, say, I would have done when I did um, my free fall course? Do, do, do you have yeah, any? I mean, well, the, the, yeah. So, I mean, the first so we, we're a free fall course coming, you know, coming out of playing skydiving. It's um, it's very different in the sense of um, 
I mean, like the gear is different. So the speed of which, um, I mean, it depends on what kind of jump you're doing, if you have a slider down or slider up, but sometimes the deployment will be much quicker. So let's say you're jumping out of plane really, really high. Um, you know, it might take a, it's to avoid you in like um, whiplash and opening, it would be a much slower deployment. But if you're jumping from something static line, 35 meters with the base rig, um, it's going to open fucking really quickly. So like there's obviously that difference um jumping out into relative wind so you sort of balanced into the into the wind so you don't get that like feeling of um your body speeding up in air um but also it's just it's a whole different i mean body position as well there's a different body position with skydive and base but it's 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 just a whole um i i never really uh got got the skydiving stuff i don't i never i didn't enjoy it as much as the base jumping and that's mainly due to the fact that there is an element of absolute freedom and rawness with the base jumping like you can you can drive around the country and find an object and if, if there's a landing area and the winds are right you can jump it and i think that's like something super special i just i struggle with the uh, um going to the skydiving place and signing this piece of paperwork and doing this and listening to this person and you know i i definitely have a um I don't know, not an issue, but um, a, a feeling of being uncomfortable with some form of authority. So I like the the feeling of being totally alone and going to something and jumping off it. And I think that's probably one of the one of the sort of special differences about base and skydiving is the absolute freedom you have with it. Any anything I've ever done, I wouldn't say I'm like necessarily like. Uh, gift like super gifted person like i i've always had to overcome some kind of level of of fear and like you know like it I, i've even for my first base jump i had to really like for the for a good two weeks like mentally just gear myself up to do that and you know i certainly wouldn't be doing again in the first one like <laughs> so you know like yeah i take my hat off to those sort of people who just got that that sort of sixth sense to their body and you know that's it's amazing I'm the same. When I'd done my military parachute course, I thought I was the dog's bollocks, you know, because I, I found all the groundwork easy. I was coming into land one time and I could hear that the, the jumping structure on the ground, we had a lap, they shout up at you with a loud hailer, right? He's going, number 39, release your lift webs, right? And I'm there with my lift webs, my rear lift webs pulled right down. Mm. He's going, number 39, you're in the wind. Release your... And I'm looking around going, what f***ing idiot is number 39, you know? What a twat. <laughs> and of course, I'm not realising I'm, I'm number 39 and I'm shooting forward at like fucking 60 mile an hour or something, <laughs> right? And when I hit, oh my God, I hit so hard. I was almost instantly unconscious. I was I was about a hair's breadth from knocking <laughs> oh, my helmet hit the ground so hard. Friend, friends at home, what, what it is, is the wind takes you either this way or this way, right? Well, it can take you this way or this way. To compensate, you pull down on the opposite strops to spill air from your canopy to slow to slow you down. I thought I was slowing myself down and I'd completely got it wrong. And I was pulling on the total off. So I was doubling my speed. <laughs> I've been a manic insomniac my whole life, mainly because my mind is just spinning. And um, I, I remember I'd be up all night, like writing dreams, first person to do this or, uh, you know, youngest person to do that first. And I just have 
fucking massive list of all these dreams and goals and and I just pace up and down my room and uh and one of those goals was uh the shard which I put down on paper around 13 14 years old and um didn't really think much of, of it until until I got to 19 and did it and that was like my first sort of like oh yeah like may, maybe I'm actually what I what I, what I put in my head when I was younger um but it's like um I don't know mate like I, I look at I look at the way I live my life and like it's kind of it's quite um it's very extreme and like a lot of people who live this kind of extreme life they might have had a bit of trauma or something I never had any trauma but I but for some reason like maybe I have some kind of chemical imbalance or in my brain um I think that's a reasonable sort of uh explanation to the way I behave um because I've really tried to trace back my whole life and try and understand why I am the way I am and I think that's becomes the only sort of logical explanation to me um so you know it was it was a blessing of a childhood uh but I I, I I've always needed chaos in my life ever since I've been young you said something about when you jump from one building onto another, uh, this is base jumping now, friends. Yeah. Uh, you said you'd seen it in a Johnny English film, right? Yeah. yeah. And that planted the seed that you couldn't, that you weren't going to forget, right? No, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it off. Um, this, this is the thing about me, mate. I can't, I don't forget. I, I struggle with shaking things off unless there's been action to it and then I can bury it. So, um, I mean, it's, it's an absolute blessing and a curse because, well, it's a curse because it's certain things inherently like haunt me a bit. And like, I, I was, yeah. And unless I've done something, then it will, then I can sort of change it. But, um, it's also a blessing because I won't let dreams go. Like I won't let the idea of a goal go. And, and, uh, yeah, I remember watching the Johnny English film of, they, I mean, it's so simple. I mean, it was comical. It wasn't anything like some kind of stunt I saw. It was just a, it jumped from some kind of helicopter and they landed in a building. I think as a kid, I saw that. I was like, that's fucking cool. I'd love to do that at some point. <laughs> and, and there I am. I climbed, I, cl- I went up this building in Berlin, the tallest building. And then my dream, it just, the, my whole, my, it was like, it, I just saw it. I saw the, I saw the, I saw the exit point. I saw the building. I was like, that's it. That's it. This is, this is, that's what it all meant. That's what it all meant. This, you jumping from the, that, that scene in your head, you planted the motion, you attached to it. And now you're seeing it. This is all right. This next two months, this is it. Like you're, you're doing this. And I went, yeah, the two, two months I went, uh, went to the middle of Germany, went to these wind turbines, jumped off, practiced, visualized the fucking landing and all that kind of stuff. Saw it in my head hundreds of thousands of times. And then I got that one done and I landed on the other building. I managed to escape the police from that building. And, you know, I went, I went and had a coffee. I watched the police run around like a gang of idiots, circling the thing, <laughs> trying to look for me. And my coffee, uh, smoked a cigarello, just chill, you know, looked at it. And it was a beautiful moment. Um, it was such a special moment. But the issue with these like extreme fucking like moments you get and your whole dream, you think about it and, train for it and then you get it done you have a one week two weeks of absolute euphoria but then that's inherently starts to fade and then you start walking around the fucking world like kind of feel like you're in a zoo and you're the animal you're like you can just there like you know what you know what am i doing now and um 
I've learned that this is quite a common sensation to have. So I just get back on the saddle and and pick the next project and just make sure that make sure there's some kind of desire to move towards that. Just keep mm. keep moving uh, because um, yeah, the w- worst times of my life have been when I've reached such almighty highs. I've achieved certain dreams, and then the the, the feeling then wears off, and then you're just left with like for the a point you know but then you just get back into it and then you realize there is a point when you do a jump like that when someone like myself i'm watching it on your video and i'm watching it thinking right where's he going to land all right he's going that way oh oh hang on he's coming towards this building no he's not gonna no yeah oh yeah yep yeah. oof and 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 <laughs> is it is it easy because i've never done this kind of base jumping is is that easy to judge, George? Because of ground rush and everything, I, I just wonder if it all gets a bit confusing. Um, so I firstly did countless calculations to see if it was actually feasible. And it was well and truly feasible in terms of altitude and where I could turn and all that sort of stuff. Then I accounted for all the different types of wind directions and landing patterns of which could make it work uh, and the speed of the canopy and how the wind couldn't change that. And, you know, I sort of looked at all the numbers and said, yeah, this is totally feasible. And then, and then I, and then I got to work. I got, I got preparing, I jumped, you know, I spent a couple of months at, uh, in the middle of Germany, just, you know, I knew someone who had the technician keys for these big old wind turbines. So she basically lived in a wind turbine for two months, jumping it, visualizing it. And it got to the point where like, I just, I just knew, I just knew that like um, the calculations were good. I knew that with the right wind speed or no wind, um, I could, I have the abilities to either sync the canopy, line it up, turn it at the right time, have the reaction times, you know, I just knew everything was, was, was totally, totally feasible and um, still, still scared. You know, you, these certain things, you know, I, I woke up that, I remember waking up that morning um, and I, I was kind of like staring at the scene and like, what the, what the f- have you got yourself into? Like, you think, you think like the, you know is this are you going to miss the building you're going to go off and there's electricity tram wise you're going to go off there and big gust of wind and this and that and you have all these thoughts and then you get on top of the building and then suddenly that just goes and then you, you you left with absolute focus and there's almost this feeling of total total um invincibility and freedom of like you're so you're so in tune it's like uh the idea of death, you no longer fear death. You no longer fear uh, death. And, uh, you know, maybe two weeks you did, but in that moment, you know, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's an incredible feeling that like you've overcome that. And, uh, and yeah, obviously when you jump, when you jump, it's just, just, just uh, your passenger to the process. You're no longer, you're no longer consciously doing things you're just like um your your body is just intuitively doing it and that's from the months of visualization and preparation and training you're just a passenger to the process you land and there's also a sense of you've been here before uh, because you've visualized it so much uh, and yeah you land and you know you, it's just it's like yeah i, I mean it's surreal it's like um this idea of um yeah, you're, 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 you've almost you've gone to places where you've sort of been 
reborn you know you've explored death and then you're you've landed and now you're reborn and it's it's a very overwhelming sense of just elevated consciousness and it's just yeah you know it's, it's yeah it's i get it i get it and i know a lot of i know people watching will get it <laughs> i think a lot of people probably won't but that's yeah. that's uh that's why we do these things isn't it <laughs> what's that so George, how did you progress then from climbing as a as a youngster to climbing the shard? What was that? How did that come about? Yeah, so my route into climbing was very unconventional. You know, I wasn't the sort of person who, you know, your dad put you in the climbing gym and you lived in the climbing gym or you're in the mountains and you were climbing up the mountain. I just had a desire where like I, the way I saw the world is I'd walk around the world and I think I look at something a bit, I want to climb that. And uh, and that's how I did it. it was an impulse thing. So from a very young age, like I just climbed absolutely everything and um, and it progressed. So it, it was started off with just really just climbing the school roof or trees, or whatever. And then and then I started looking at cranes. I'm like, I want to climb that. So I started climbing up cranes and I was like, OK, well, I'm now now I've done that. Like, what's next? So let's hang off a crane. Logical sort of next step, and then uh, you know let's let's do this, and then it it just progressed and progressed and progressed, and I always had these dreams. Like you know, when I was thirteen, I saw the shard for the first time, so it was on the big list of potential things I could do in this life. And then you know, I was over my teen years, I was exploring lots of different things: ultra marathon running, boxing, uh, you know everything i can get my hands on which scares me and then by the time i was 18 i was like okay like let's let's explore this shard thing let's 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 see if it's feasible i turned up and i i, I did my first recce and in my head it was like this is the the actual access to start the point of the climb like doesn't seem at all feasible so I got back home and I got onto Google Maps and I looked at it from different. I was like, actually, if I get there and there and there and there, then maybe it is feasible. And then that started this whole eight month year just thing of absolute obsession. It was like, you know, it was like I, I, I just needed that. There was no other. It was needed. And it took me to like almost this. The level of obsession was so, so strong. It was like almost like borderline psychotic like it was like I, I suddenly started to really like everything about my life suddenly just sort of faded away it was like it, 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 it like i, I was i kind of lost touch of reality a bit it was just manic like madness like this one thing which needs to be done it, it was like i don't know like you could call it ocd or i don't really know what it is but it was just one single single thing and it was and I, I had the plan i had to work out the access, the infiltration, um, all these sort of things. And, and, and you know, eventually 8th of July, I climbed it. And in October, he was sentenced to six months in jail. On Friday, after serving the customary half of his sentence, he was released. He says prison was tough, but he won't let adversity extinguish his spirit. Tell us about the prison uh, while we're on the subject. And then I want to come back to the actual climbing. Um, I, I reckon you got a bit of respect in there, did you? It was, it was... Uh, there was certainly elements of that, absolutely. Like there was, I mean, you, you, yeah, yeah, it, it, that you could definitely utilise that. Although, you know, like um, this particular prison was H&P Pentonville, which is notoriously 
notoriously violent and you know stabbings and kettle attacks and people slitting their wrists and all the rest it's just a common thing become very desensitized it, uh, to it quite quite quickly um but yeah you know it, it's it was um it definitely it definitely helped in certain senses but at the same time like i was warned by some of the prison officers like make sure no one tries to like utilize you as like a high profile prison or anything like that or try and manipulate you and all that sort of thing you got to keep like watch of where you're at um but incredibly fascinating. Like I, I, I would sit on the pipes with a seventy-year-old uh, psychopath who did an acid attack and murder on his neighbor, and I just, and I just be Louis through, and I just sort of interview him and try and understand what, why he is, why he is, and and I had these just ridiculous conversations with um, some really violent psychopaths and people who generally mentally, you know, and it just, it was fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating, and. Um, and um yeah yeah like it, it was it was a very interesting experience how how did you get arrested what how did that come about so it was um my case was a civil case it wasn't a criminal case so you got the civil court criminal court criminal court uh public interest dealt with the police you know and that that was kind of put under the put under the rug very quickly like i didn't i didn't actually get arrested like they just kind of put it under the rug it's like you've done this thing you know there we go you let go it was a civil case, which is private prosecution, which was, you know, this, this I don't think the, the criminal courts, the civil courts in the UK are extremely corrupt because if you have enough money and enough power, you can get the right lawyers, the right judge, the, the knot was tied before I even went in the courtroom, I could tell. Um, and I'm sure the judge was tipped off to it and they sort of even made a deal or whatever. But yeah, like it was, it was uh, the top, uh, not was tied before I went in the courtroom and, um, and it was, yeah, private prosecution. So essentially I breached an injunction by climbing the building, some kind of trespass thing. So you're now content of court. And so therefore, uh, yeah, we can imprison you, uh, but I don't have a criminal record. I don't have any of that stuff, but um yeah yeah the courtroom you're it's the doghouse you know it's in like you know you got all these words and th there's languages you don't understand and they've thrown all these things at you and yeah you just gotta sit and take it i guess <laughs> so uh, you didn't when you got up to the top of the shard you didn't get arrested then what well, how, how did you get down um so yeah no i you could so from the viewing deck onwards it's open top like it's open terrace so i just went inside the building and I, to be fair, credit to the police. I, I, I was expected a much more brutal response. Um, very lovely people, you know, they were actually very decent. And I, I mean, it, you know, I had a good conversation with two to three police officers. Uh, and yeah, I shook my hand and shook, shook theirs and we, and then I went off and they went off and it was really just quite, quite simple. I mean, I had, I, you know, I had a quick sort of meeting with the, uh, shard manager and, uh, that was it. I was hit. Yeah. Just went off. Yeah. What, why would they want to do that? I mean, um, is that just to put people off doing it in the future or is it like a PR thing or I, I, I think it's, uh, it's an ego thing. I think, I think it's like, you know, you know this is our thing you know that's not this i just think it's a big old ego thing like that's that's you you've done this like there yeah, they can't sit still with the fact that someone's just just you know accessed our building you know let's you know let's just get him and yeah that's pr you know that yeah we've done that you know like yeah you made it you know so yeah i, I don't know man like it's 
it's, it's, it means absolutely nothing to me because I just got an experience of going to prison. So I was like, I was happy to have that experience. So mm -hmm. it means absolutely, I haven't got a, I'm not bitter to the whole thing at all. It's just, um, it's just interesting how the process sort of works itself out. But how many buildings have you, you climbed now? Um, good question, mate. Like maybe, maybe 20, 20, depends. Some, some are more, so we're talking about like proper free soloing, like kind of, you know, major sort of one, probably around 20, 25, I would say. Um, but then like I've, in terms of like, minor ones you know then in the hundreds for sure but um what about if you get like halfway up i don't know let's just say you get fucking knackered or you can't find any more handholds is is that ever a thing or is that uh so one so i i don't think i'd get to the point like if i if i'd properly done the reconnaissance and preparation i feel like there there won't be something on the i won't necessarily uh reach halfway and get fatigued but what what could happen is you get to the floor 70 percent of the way up the building and you suddenly realize on this floor um something which you couldn't have noticed down on the ground that it's like i don't know the screws is not as strong as the other sort of placements and and um i had that in copenhagen radisson blue I was climbing and it was this big sort of it was vented building and i i climbed i was 70 i was like it must be 20 15 meters below uh below the top and i was it was steady 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 and then i put my hand into this um this vent and i pulled it out and the thing came with me and i'm there like it wasn't screwed on properly and i was i was there like okay well i've got a decision to make well ego's telling me it could hold my weight i've just got the right there is 15 minute meters below the top like I, you know, I could get it to the top and there and there i'm just holding on like you know like do i do it do i not and then obviously sense takes over and thinks well let's just climb down and um yeah those vents were really sharp i remember i remember being cut up blood on the uh, on the hands and i worked my way down that building descending and um yeah got to the bottom and yeah the the danish sort of police sort of dealt with me from there and um yeah but like th that's that happens like that happens you reach sort of spots where like where they, you just realize something which you could not have planned for and uh um yeah yeah are, are you not worried when you get to that point that you're so exhausted that you can't climb down or is that not not an issue i i think there's like there's a there's a there's something you give um you give no, someone no choice like death or or decision or, you know or climb down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah your body i think your body goes to um a pretty pretty special place like i'm sure you felt this with ultra running like when you feel like you you're like you know you you, you said you know I, I listened to your podcast last night of um, shin spins broken leg running and you, you but you this you sometimes you just it, it even when you're done like there's a bit more in the tank like that there's just <laughs> Yeah. There's, a, there's probably a lot more before death let's be honest is there any building that's like impossible to climb you know the, I, I like you, you say at the beginning it's like i never say never like i i i'm sure if i if i if i isolated everything into one building i could take you know I, I never say never but i'm no um i mean with, my, with what i do my my the reason which gets me up in the morning is the idea of doing something which is different hasn't been done before 
Uh, and that's what excites me. You know, I'm no interest of being the best climb in the world. I just don't think that's what my reason is for being on this planet is to try to find things which haven't been done. Uh, so there's a lot of buildings to that point, to the end. Is that there's a lot of buildings which I I, I couldn't do, and um, and and others may may be able to do. Um, and I'm totally okay with that position as long as I'm finding things which are uh, unique unique projects. Tell us about the train surfing. Yes. Um, uh, uh, this is a bit double edged, really, because we had a couple of Marines when I was serving that were train surfing in Thailand. And the train went under a tunnel mm. and they got deaded. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing. Well, it's just, I don't think they expected that, right? Mm. You know, is, well, is, what's it all about? Yeah. Well, I mean, my initial response to that is, well, with all respect to them, um, they should have done better reconnaissance like if their their reconnaissance would have been in the bar yeah well that's it mate (laughs) (laughs) well that's get it like like i berlin's a hot spot for metro surfing train surfing and um, a lot of people have died in berlin and i can't count for any of them which have been just decisions of which they could have avoided um every train surf every route i will do i'll walk from one station to the other station and i'll check absolutely every part of it i'll see there's a bridge i'll see there's wires i'll see what there is on that route and then i'll pick a landmark straight to it so okay when i see this tree that's the time when you when you that's the time you should signal to your brain that when you go around that corner there's going to be a bridge so make sure you go down and um train surfing is incredibly easy to do and that's what makes it dangerous is that all you have to do really is hop on top of a train have a bit of balance duck when you need a duck and and that's that uh but so you know it tracks people who um i mean there was a 16 year old who died in, in berlin doing it you get on the train it's like this sensory overload you're on top of a moving train and he, he looked around he's looking around and just got just creamed in because he got hit by a traffic light just on the edge uh, of the of the uh of the train and and uh, uh, dead on impact and um you know there's another another lad who who basically done the same did six routes around berlin and um, ducking under bridges under bridges on this last last bridge or the last route just didn't duck low enough and hit his head spanked him impact dead on impact um so you know keep keep you know whenever i do these train surfs you know i'm always i'm always fully aware of of what's going on my eyes are straight my looking forward um i know what's coming i've already planned it I'm watching what's coming and, you know, duck when I need a duck and, and, and enjoy it as well. It's, 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 it's the most, it feels so wrong, but so right. It's the most, it's, it's amazing. I, I love it. It's uh, I, I really love the train surfing. It's super special. And I don't know if that's because I have this feeling of like going against the normality of society. I think there's some kind of thing going on there where like, don't want to be normal. And then you got all these people in the train doing their normal shit. And I'm on the top. It's like, it's, I think there's like an element of that in, in me. So I just lo- love the train surfing. George, do you get funded for any of this? It, it, I mean, to travel around a lot costs a bit of money and to buy a, you know, a parachute's what probably 3000 pounds now or something. Yeah. So it's, it, my money is not by any means consistent. It's um, I'm always on the hunt for it. Um, the f- income mainly comes from 
either sponsors or media. So I did a bit of work with Channel 4 where I did have my own series where I was exploring bare knuckle boxing, lift surfing and all these sort of things. But that comes and goes. It's not like that's not my career. Um, so I had to find sponsors and attach them to projects. And when I get that money, then then I start trying to put it away into places. Um, I'm very close to finally getting like an actual ambassador deal where I get a monthly salary very close to that but until then i'm sort of scratching scratching the barrel uh you know and i have been for the last month but until i get this these ambassador deals where it's monthly income um then then it just seems like much more sustainable mm-hmm. uh but yeah when i was in berlin doing my nomadic thing like i was keeping costs low very low you know sleeping floors doing my you know just keeping it low and certainly doable certainly doable have you got a patreon um, I don't know. No, no. Oh, you should start one of them. You, you might be. Yeah. I, I mean, I do think it's worthwhile. I looked, I looked at people who have bigger social media presences and I, I just didn't, I didn't see that it was, I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. Okay. Probably um, well, I should say it's been good for me. Uh, God bless you all my Patreons. You know, it's just people that like you basically as a person or as an artist or as a contributor or, you know, um, what that 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 like they want to support you and 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 people have been very 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 kind and so we've got a, a, a rapidly growing um support on on locals and i couldn't i couldn't do what i do if it wasn't for those beautiful people you know mm-hmm. i couldn't do what i do and someone in your position i know you can live for 500 quid a month <laughs> you, you, yeah no, you, you, it's certainly workable yeah yeah i, I think it's re- i think it's a good idea i think mm-hmm. we'll get to it for sure yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I i think yeah. and and also dare i say it, you probably appeal more to young pe- young people than i you know i you you've got that yeah. I mean, everyone's playing xbox to get the experience that they yeah. they don't understand they're never going to get from it um tell us about your tv pro- that was awesome i was watching a bit of it this morning oh thank was, you was it george uh, george's illegal adventures or something yeah, george king's illegal activities was uh the second series i'd done the first series was george king's adrenaline addicts um so the, i'll start with the, the first series adrenaline addicts um i mean my you know i explored a uh you know base jumping uh with tim howe who um who, who's now who's now my sort of main mentor and beacon of knowledge and guidance with the base jumping and then cliff jumpers and a bare knuckle boxer called rico franco of which was i mean i mean the, the one episode out of all the things i've done which really like took hold of me was that the, the episode with the bare knuckle boxer mm. uh it was really special um it could be, you know just similar mindsets and just you know inspiring he, he, he'd been really ill as well wouldn't he, he'd oh, had, he yeah yeah i mean he's been on his deathbed and found a way to like just like nah that's not happening and and like still fighting fights with a loss from me bag uh yeah. so, you know he, he's he's um he's very special and i keep keeping communication to uh with him george are you like me like you just like to try your hand at something just to know that you've done it rather yeah, than like yeah. try to master it. If you know what uh, I mean? Certain things. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Certain, things, certain things. I just want to, I want to tick it. Um, certain things I want to develop it and really become something of it. Uh, and then other things like, I just want to, I just want to see what it's like. Curiosity, uh, you know, just, 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 yeah. Curiosity. I want to pick your brain on something. All right. Yeah. Paving. Caving. Y- yes yeah. or no? Yes or no? 
Well, I, I actually did that as part of the second series illegal activities. We we went down a cave, like a mining sort of cave. And yeah. um, I, I'm not someone who gets cross claustrophobic. So it wasn't like a issue to me. Um, it's not, I mean, I tried it. I won't go out and do it solo. I won't spend time building the skills to become it and really do it. But I tried it and I, I got off on it. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I mean, when you when you're in Marines training, you do the endurance course, right? You got a crawl, and, and it's di- I, I think it's a bit different now. Sorry, no disrespect to my brothers out there that might have gone through training more recently than me because they're not dinosaurs. <laughs> but but like literally, when I did the endurance course, there was these corrugated iron tunnels. Mm. Uh, they had a stream directed through them right so diverged to or diverted rather to go through this corrugated iron tunnel the tunnel itself was only uh, about two foot high mm. and at, and at parts of that tunnel the landscape had caved it in so you had to like like get on your back and crawl through the bits where it had collapsed Shit, and yeah. for most of the tunnel, well well for quite a lot of it you were literally like that above the water, try, you know, and there's all this stuff about like, keep your weapon clean. And, and, and there's like a f- that bullshit, chuck your weapon as, <laughs> as far as you fucking can. Right. Just, just, let's just get through this and live, right. <laughs> the weapon. Right. It was terrifying. It was, it, it, no, it wasn't. No, I, that, that's a load of bullshit. I, I never got, I, it didn't phase me whatsoever. I just knew I had to get through it. And because I was that focused, fear didn't come into it. Mm. But I tell you what, when I look at caving, I, I guess what we're talking is claustrophobia, isn't it? Yeah. And that is something that I have felt in my life. I think I'm probably better at it now as a, that I'm older than I, than, than I was in like my 20s. It's a feeling of being trapped, being helpless, I think. I don't um, mind to be... You know, if I'm trapped in a cavern underground, that's fine. As long as I've got room to like move around, yeah. And if I've got sa- really if I've got some sandwiches, yeah. e- even better. But <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's that like not being able to move. That that's the thing that gets me. That like like I can't move. I can't I can't move. That yeah ooh, yeah yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's it's feeling of being trapped and helpless, and I. I can understand it but it's also when i did it it was it was kind of just it's quite amazing like you you look at a mound and it's so unassuming like you've just you're outside you're seeing it in one dimension then you get inside it and then suddenly you've got this whole different dimension and you're underground it's like a whole different world and it's uh like there is something very special and i totally resonate why people haven't tried it as part of this episode like i i totally resonated with, with with these people who are obsessed with it these these guys who just get in underground and see it from a different you know the world in a different way it's i get it i do kind of understand the the sort of uh fulfillment from it promote yourself where can people find you obviously instagram shard climber folks uh, yeah shard climb that's right um i, I you know if, if you want to watch my uh, channel four series you can find that on youtube george king's you know adrenaline addicts what uh illegal activities channel four and then um yeah george king on facebook and uh and yeah yeah no it's um 2023 is a year which i've been working towards for a good three four years so um a certain thing in this year which which um we'll get we'll get done and uh yeah it'll be 
I guess you don't want to uh, divulge that. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, 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 no. I, I, I get it, mate. I get it. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta stay zen. Stay zen. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, mate. I, I really hope we can do something together in the future. I really hope so too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of honoured. I'm kind of honoured. Like my mate is the biggest daredevil in the world. <laughs> oh mate it's so it's it's just great you've come on it's great you've come on george stay there don't go anywhere i'm just gonna turn the recording okay. off but yeah. everyone at home i really hope you've enjoyed this this has just been one of my, my most enjoyable podcasts you can tell it's all just oh, it's all it's all boys own stuff you know yeah. all, this, all this stuff i i want to ask questions about and bit of stuff i've done myself you know but um just say if you can like and subscribe friends would really appreciate it massive massive love to you look after yourself set your goals get out there start smashing it see you soon easy mate friends thank you for listening to the bought the t-shirt podcast please like subscribe and share and don't forget to follow me on social media username Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.